Well, hi everybody. I'm Bill Bateman, one of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training. This is week two of Survival Beyond the Bag, a regular podcast that we're pleased to present to you. When I left you last week, I asked you to start thinking about the things we had talked about that are going to apply to you because a bug out bag is a personal item. Maybe just for you, maybe for you and the family of four, and there's going to be different items in that bag depending on medications, health needs, food needs, that type of thing. Did you start your plan? I hope you at least started writing up a few ideas, maybe discussed it with the family, and began moving things around into those useful piles. I want to make it clear that I go out on the web to research these topics, and I'm going to be sharing some of those sources on the podcast page so you can dig in after we talk and apply things directly to your own personal needs, family plan, and outline. This week I'm going to be adding a couple sites with a lot of information. One is more designed for the person who's looking to uh, perhaps buy pre-made products. The other is for the more self-directed individual. I do urge you to shop around however you decide to build your bag. In looking at some of the sites, I did find that the links go to places that they're sold out. I think that's due to the interest in this topic, and I don't think it's a reflection on any of the vendors. I also noticed a lot of those links go directly to Amazon. Personally, I like to shop locally whenever I can, and I suggest once you get your list made, let's check out our own shops here in the area first, support the local economy, and save the shipping. Another point, I spent a lot of time reading the reviews because it's easy to have a warehouse full of something and all of a sudden that's the best product on earth. Do your homework on key products, especially on things that are important like first aid and water filters. You're going to see a common thread in the reviews especially with recommendations and reviews. While snarky people do get in there, you'll find some very interesting points and even recommendations to other products. It's worth doing your homework. As promised this week, I'm going to be looking at the kind of questions you need to answer if you're going to have to leave your home. Now, we'll start out up front and say, staying in the home is the best plan as long as you can do it safely. Don't be this guy in the news getting rescued from the top of a tree by a helicopter because you decided to stick it out. Side note, if there's a potential threat in our area, I call that fire season, I'm really looking at these tub liners you can get. And I've attached a link to it for several versions of this product. Basically, it goes in your bathtub, you turn it on, and then seal it up. It keeps the water sealed. You can add one or two drops of bleach. Full instructions come in the packet. What that means is you're going to have about 50 gallons of good water waiting for you either in your home, should you lose local water, or when you return. Again, those links are on the page. Okay, the whole purpose of a bag is to be prepared if you have an emergency. and I mean the house is no longer an option. And, as I mentioned last week, and I'm going to mention next week, the most important part of this bug-out kit is the plan. And a key piece of that is having the information to make smart decisions. Do we stay or do we go? Now, personally, I'm not a big follow-the-herd type of guy, so the information and where you get it is really important. 
As a former journalist, I am appalled by the current state of news reporting. Trust, to me, is key. So, when you're looking at radio, when you're looking at TV, they're going to be hopefully more reliable than Uncle Bob calling. On the other hand, Uncle Bob may be looking out his window and see something that the reporters won't see for another five to six hours. Start building up a chain of people you can call, if that's practical or realistic for your general area. Let's review. Last week we said you needed a set of basic items and you need the plan. What's really important, are you going to be able to carry all this stuff? We talked about being honest with yourself and a personal assessment of what you can do, not what you should be able to do, but what you physically are able to do. And let's look at some guidelines. Now, it says for an adult, you should be able to carry 20% of your body weight. Okay, I weigh 250 pounds. That means I should be able to handle a 50-pound pack. And of that 50 pounds food and water should be half of that weight. One area you need to consider, if you have children, what are they going to be expected to carry? First, I think everyone in the family should be carrying something. It gives a purpose of unity. It gives everybody a feeling of community, and everyone is helping. That's important in a stressful situation. Children, according to the American Pediatric Association, should be expected realistically to carry between 10 and 20% at a maximum. So, for a 100-pound child, think between 10 and 20 pounds. You won't be able to carry a huge overloaded pack for the distances you may need to travel, especially if you've overburdened the young ones and they start having problems, uh, cramping, injuries, falling down, blisters. You and mom have to be able to function to set up camp and to deal with issues that may happen on the trek. So, for heaven's sakes, do without the extra can of cheese whiz and make sure that you've got appropriate size packs when you have to go. One other key piece of advice, plan for your worst day, not your best. Those of you who may know me have seen me on some days when I'm limping like the hunchback of Notre Dame. And on other days, I'm tap dancing like Fred Astaire. I've got a back issue that causes me some problems. I have to plan in my bug out that it's my worst day, not my best. Ideally, in our bug out, we're going to be able to take the car. The car will be usable depending on how much gas you have in it and uh, how long you're going to be able to drive. Now, 300 miles, let's put that as just a general guideline. If you've got a good hybrid, you can maybe get up to 600. All of this is prerequisite on the road being usable. I see these videos as I do my research, and everybody's always wandering around all alone out in the woods. I got a news bulletin, boys and girls. It's going to look more like the Burning Man exit day anytime we have a serious situation. Expect the highways to be choked up. One other thing you should expect is that you and the team, if you're taking family with you, you need to be a ghost. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, you're not the guy waving around a sat phone. You're not the one sitting by the side of the road with your solar-powered blender mixing up margaritas with a big panel array. If you and the family look like a catalog ad, you are a target. We need to come to grips with the fact everyone is not going to be playing well with others if the stuff hits the fan. This is something we'll talk about more in future episodes. 
Okay, we talked last time about uh, how you're going to carry your water. Remembering water weighs 8.7 pounds a gallon. My option is to have a durable container, and then anything from straws, those personal use that allow you to sip directly, or the gravity filters and pumps that'll be good for many, many gallons. I've really come across something interesting for those of us who are not going to be out wandering in the backcountry. It's called the Silox Key. You know those places you pull up to and there's no handle on the spigot? Maybe at the turnout rest stop? Well, what this device is, is a handle. It allows you to turn on the water at a rest stop, at a closed uh, business that has one of those spigots outside. You can get water in an emergency. Let's hope we don't start abusing these. The thing costs like eight or nine dollars and uh, they are available in a lot of different areas. So you might want to check having that out and right on the same page and I did mention last time it'd be good to have a hatchet or an axe in your bug out bag. Well there's something called a SPAX, S-P-A-X. I found it at nativeknife.com. I'll put the link on the site. And it's basically a hatchet that has in the head fittings that will allow you to open a fire hydrant or turn off a gas valve. Both can be very useful. Again, fire hydrant, a possible source of clean running water. Thing is not cheap, but it has apparently been used since World War II, so it has proven its value. I do want to talk about, since it came up in a discussion with a friend of mine, uh, things you should have that are not consumable. On a thumb drive, you should have medical information, insurance, and passport information. I just updated my insurance coverage recently, and I was listing the items that are going to need some coverage, and they said, well, do you have the bill of sale for each of those? Do you have the credit card number? Do you have the passwords to all of your computer accounts. In today's world, it's as simple as falling down to make a PDF of something, and then you can either put those PDFs in the cloud, or if you don't like that, carry a copy of all that information with you on a thumb drive. With a digital camera, there is no reason not to have a photo inventory, not only of documents and information, but of actual items, jewelry, artwork, and you can prove to the insurance adjuster why, as a matter of fact, yes, I did have a 50-inch plasma. There it is, and here's the serial number in a close-up. Carrying things with you that you're going to be needing to get back to normal, insurance, bank account numbers, things like that, put that in a encrypted thumb drive. Total cost there, about 20 bucks and a couple of afternoons. Well worth it. Also, over-the-counter prescriptions. I have kind of revised. I was kind of snarky in my first episode about sunscreen. Well, if you're going to be out and about and bugging out, sunscreens are really not that bad of an idea. Also, a pain reliever that you're compatible with and an anti-diarrhea product. There is nothing like having the stuffing scared out of you to bring on diarrhea. And a serious situation can cause major internal upsets. It's not to be sneezed at. It is a serious condition. It can dehydrate you. And a product that you are familiar and compatible with should be part of your bug out kit. Also a bug spray. Toilet paper. Now this is very important. Stop and think about it. And in the tube of the toilet paper, pack it full of dryer lint, which can be used as tinder to help start a fire. 
I saw this in a video on one of the sites that I shared, and I was just, well, of course, obviously, but you don't think about it. You're going to want eye protection. You're going to want gloves to protect your hands, both debris gloves, like mechanics gloves, and medical or rubber gloves for dealing both with blood and with waste, things people don't want to handle. You're going to want good duct tape, not that $1.99 stuff from the gas station, and wipes, both clean and disinfectant. This is if you get a cut as well as after you're done visiting the shrubbery. You're going to want to prevent even the smallest cut from becoming infected, so that's where a little neosporin or antibacterial wipe is going to be very, very necessary. We talked about the new LED bulbs and flashlights being both bright and physically light in weight, some actually operating on one battery. I have my pros and cons on the recharging option. I also have my pros and cons on these lights that you can actually start a fire with. I'm not kidding. I'm going to include a light that claims to be able to start a fire for you. A total runtime between 20 and 80 minutes, and you need special batteries. So, do some homework on what you think you're going to need and what the likelihood of being able to recharge those batteries. I will say that a solar panel is an effective way to do it, but you have to have six to eight full hours of sunlight. That can be very difficult. Your rechargeables in the unit are going to have to be fresh. The rechargeables that you're going to be recharging are going to take at least a day to happen, which means maybe survival candles. Uh, these are actual candles or liquid that comes in plastic containers from some of the catalog store. I've read 100 hours on the package, but of course that means you're going to have to have a way to light them. I think you should have at least two methods to start a fire. Lighter, I think a lighter is an excellent way to go, and uh, perhaps those waterproof matches or those items uh, that are magnesium or different types of striking devices which allow you to put tinder to use. While we're on the subject of fire, a big reminder. Fire safety concerns and smart fire practices do not stop simply because there's been a disaster. In fact, they are more critical than ever before because emergency services are going to be spread razor thin. Now add to that, if you recall, you want to be inconspicuous. You want to be the ghost family. You don't want to be that group that has a huge fire that can be seen for miles. I would suggest you clear the appropriate fire safe area and then dig a small hole to shield the fire. You can build up the sides around it to help prevent sparks from traveling. Then you can build a safe fire using the tinder that you stored in your toilet paper tube. And if it's windy or the conditions are just such that building a fire would be dangerous, eat that stuff cold. It's not going to kill you. You don't want to be in the middle of a wildfire. That's just not something you want to happen on top of everything else that's going wrong. When we come to the topic of shelter, there's quite an array of easy carry tents, and that also includes things like tarps, space blanket. Ideally, you could sleep in the car if you bug out in the car, which is going to offer you both a door that locks and protection from the weather. 
If you have room, I might suggest sleeping bags in the trunk. But remember, it's also a good idea to plan for our worst day. So keeping warm and being able to rest is vital. So be sure to have a plan B in your bag. Temporary shelter to keep the cold and the rain at bay. Don't underestimate those hand warmers. As I'm recording this, it's already into the 30s at night. Now, part of my supplies include paracord to suspend a tarp, which would allow me to build a simple tent or lean-to. Now, a lot of the stuff I've been talking about has a decided country flavor. Let's move into the rural area or the urban. Well, first of all, there's going to be more opportunities for shelter. There will also be a lot more people around, and I'd suggest getting familiar with the community shelters or places you could go in an emergency in your very own town. Bear in mind, you are going to have lines, you are going to have crowds. If you go to a group shelter, on the other hand, you're going to have access to the limited services that are available. This is especially important when you're looking at things like medical support as well as a police or sheriff's presence. Spending a day or two in a shelter is one thing. Long-term can be decidedly different, especially when you decide you want to leave early. These are discussions that you as a family should have together and agree upon. Now, if you're going to be in a shelter and you have advanced medical training or skills that could be useful, such as being able to work with electricity or plumbing, then it's a good opportunity to help your community come back together. When you look at what you're going to want in an urban setting bag, it's always going to include the basics. But then we'll start looking at things like pry bars and wide magic markers for leaving messages on walls. And of course, water purifying tablets. There is also the mental sense that you're, quote, still in town, even though there could be possible damaged areas or breakage. Remember, when you're in an urban area, there are more options for foraging for water and supplies. Also remember, foraging is another word for looting. It depends on which side of the door you're on. Personally, I can understand grabbing a can of baked beans for the family, but not a widescreen TV. There's just not that much of a necessity for a widescreen TV in a forest fire. Having some money is a good idea. Keep it in small bills, and I'd break it into several different areas so you're not flashing a wad of money, just like any time. As you come to think about it, you just don't want to do it. If you get into a situation where you need to build a fire, it's good to have the same fire-building implements, although in a damaged area there could be much more fuel available to you. Now, when you're looking at debris from disaster, face masks and first aid capability is very important, especially in a town setting. I do plan on dedicating an entire episode to the first aid components here in the next couple of weeks. Having good information on the current conditions is very important. We talked about that a bit earlier. Good information on current conditions is very important. When you're in town, that's going to trigger your urge to use your cell phone. But remember, the phone lines can be jammed due to high call volume. I recommend using text. In fact, in my family, we have a prearranged time for me to text in case I have to power my phone down due to a low battery situation. Now, at least two ways to get power are recommended. Battery backup packs, a solar panel, and an inverter from a car battery are just some of the things I've been talking about earlier. 
I looked around and here's what I found. Solar power rechargers, one of the manufacturer lists the following times to recharge. AAA batteries take 6 to 12 hours. AA, 15 to 31. C, take 31 to 62. And D, batteries take 69 to 138 hours. That's 8 days maximum. And that's only one manufacturer, but it shows us how important it is to do our research. And also make sure that recharger is built to withstand outdoor use. Dirt, rain, overheating, being jostled. That's where the reviews are very, very useful. Notice, too, if you've got 9 volts, you're going to need a different type of unit. This is an area going to take a lot of research. Look for reviews. I Google the top 10 best solar panels for recharging. You're going to get information you won't from a salesperson, and your best bet is a trusted local business owner. Let's look at one more area in battery issues. If you happen to have all of your information on your phone, and the phone goes dead or perhaps gets broken or lost, now what? I think key phone numbers, addresses, and important information should be written down and in a baggie in the backpack, and each member of the family should have that type of information. You should also have a plan on what to do if you get separated. Now, having the kids get separated is a panic-inducing event at the mall. Can you imagine how much worse it would be in an emergency situation? If you get separated, have a plan. Meet at a designated landmark. Use a magic marker, permanent Sharpie, to leave notes. I think a two-way radio set would be very useful if I had a family that I was going to be working with. Also agree upon a channel and a time to contact so you don't burn your battery sending countless messages. On the very same page as dealing with separations and difficulties, everyone should take a family photo. And by that, I mean an actual picture uh, to help you remember what's important. Husband's a picture of their wife and the kids. The kids a picture of mom and dad. That type of thing. That should be in with your contact name and address as part of that baggie of stuff. This helps authorities identify everybody in the family. Also, ID cards or a photocopy of the ID card if that is an age-appropriate thing. Now, naturally, you're not going to take that thumb drive full of full financial and insurance data. That goes at the bottom of the backpack when things start getting back to normal. Regardless of the age, the most important thing any family can have, especially with the young ones, is the psychological mindset to survive. Include the family in creating the plan. If you're all alone like I am, do you have any neighbors that are worth saving? <laughs> well, I do, and I've reached out to them, and we're talking about that now. Discuss it. Rehearse it. Walk through it. Deal with those yeah-but-what-ifs. Yeah-but-what-if-we... Okay, let's talk about that. Take it from this super-scary, untenable, oogie-boogie thing to a plan that we're going to work. Don't freeze, because panic immobilizes you on a personal note. I've been researching and actually ordering a few things related to this series, and it hit me. I'm doing this. I'm really doing this. And to me, that was a good feeling. I like to be proactive and know I can be, and know I can be, self-reliant. 
Training is a key part of preparation, and that is what we do here. Uh, let's look at some upcoming events. Gift certificates are now on sale. They're good for the uh, any of the classes we have. Go to our gift certificates page for that. There's a CHL class you may be able to get in on the 20th and then coming up again on November 3rd. And we have a live fire scenario class. Those are really, really useful for you more intermediate shooters. That's going to be available on the 17th of November. Next week on the 29th, this week we talked about leaving the home with your bug out bag. Next week we're going to talk about what if you're going to stay. There's a whole lot of differences and one thing that pops to mind from personal experience, do you know how to turn off the water and the gas and the electricity in the event of an earthquake or serious problem? Then coming up on the 5th, we're going to talk about the Get Home Bag. Yes, there's still just another thing we might want to look at. Get stranded in your car, you're going to need stuff to get home. I've added those promise links to the podcast page, and I do invite your questions and comments. I invite you to write me at podcast at wits-and.com. Com. Uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Remember, we are pre-recorded, so there's not going to be a lot of instant feedback. So come on back next week. Make good use of those links that I'm posting at the bottom of the page. And with that, I'm Bill Bateman, your congenial host. This program is copyright. Refuse to be a victim. Personal protection training 2018. It may not be rebroadcast, edited, or sold without the express written permission of this company. It may be downloaded and shared among guests to this website for social, non-commercial purposes only. Okay, see you next time. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you at the range.